Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to WFAN's Baseball Insiders for Monday, December 6th. I'm Sweeney Murdy and joined by Ed Coleman. On Sunday, the Hall of Fame special committees announced their honorees, and there was a boatload of them. And that's a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Talk to Eddie about that in just a second. We've got uh, a full Hall of Fame class and several months to celebrate them, get ready for induction, plus whatever happens in January uh, with the writer's ballot. And that's always kind of touchy, and we're not sure if they're going to because there's going to be anybody added, but there certainly will be a celebration in Cooperstown this summer for many of the deserving candidates who were elected on Sunday. So Eddie, um, I guess we should start with you with Gil Hodges because there have been so many people around the Mets for a long time who've waited and waited and waited for Gil Hodges to get elected to the Hall of Fame. And the day finally came. You know, I was uh, I was humming an old song last night around the house by C.C. Peniston. I don't know if you remember. Remember, finally, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, uh-huh. to me. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly what I what I thought of when Gil Hodges was finally inducted into the uh, into the Hall of Fame. Long time coming for Gil Hodges. Should have happened a long time ago. Uh, and I think you know too, if you look at the numbers and the accomplishments that he that he got, he should have been in a long time ago. But there, there are others that uh, probably fall in the same category. A, a tremendous uh, honor. Um, his wife, uh, Joan Hodges, is 95. She's a great lady. And, and hopefully she's going to be able to make it to Cooperstown. Uh, she's just delightful. Uh, you know, two of the, the ladies that I've met over the years, Jackie Robinson's uh, wife, Rachel, and, and Joan, are just terrific people. And I couldn't be happier for her and the family. Uh, you know, when you look at, at, at Gil too, uh, uh, he had, you know, close to, uh, to 1300 RBIs, close to 400 home runs, uh, uh, close to 2000 hits. Uh, you know, he was a little, little shy in those categories, but you know what, he was a, a terrific player and, uh, one of the mainstays of the Brooklyn Dodgers along with Duke Snyder and others, uh, a great manager who uh, who brought the Mets to a to a World Series title, and I always remember what Tom Seaver 
said about Gil Hodges. He said, you know, we wouldn't have gotten to where we got to in 1969. It was kind of improbable anyway, but he taught us how to be professionals. And he said, that's something that never left me in the rest of my career. He taught us how to go about being a ball player, coming every day, doing what you have to do, going through your routines. Uh, and that spoke volumes to me. If Tom Seaver was you know smart enough to listen to Gil Hodges and Gil Hodges taught him that and and thus Tom Seaver had the kind of career he had that that spoke a lot to me so uh never met Gil Hodges uh but uh, that uh was you know just I I think long overdue and, and couldn't be happier for him and his family I'd like you know Jeremy Shep has been tweeting out some comments from the book that Dick Shep wrote with Tom Seaver um called The Perfect Game Mm-hmm. And this was after the 69 season. I believe this came out in 1970, but I've got a copy of it here. But Seaver explains um, in the 1968 season, he had a game against Juan Marichal and the Giants where it was a, you know, he was very tense in the game, gave a couple of home runs late and the Giants won the game. The next time I started against Houston, I made up my mind that I was going to smile on the mound, be happy, enjoy myself. I beat Houston five to three. The next day, Gil called me into his office Tom, he said, your actions on the mound yesterday were uncalled for. You were laughing, grinning. That's unprofessional. I'd hate to see a person like you get a reputation for something like that around the league. I agree, I said, but I was so tight the other day. I wanted to make certain I stayed loose yesterday. I wanted to keep relaxed. Gil accepted my explanation. I remembered his advice. Here's the part that that really sticks out to me, though. After telling that story, Seaver writes, Gill set rules and his rules applied equally to every man in the club, whether he made $10,000 a year or 40,000. Think about that one for a second. Uh, he said, you made the bus on time. You got to the field on time. He played no favorites. If he thought you'd done something wrong, if you hadn't hustled, if you hadn't concentrated, he let you know he didn't scream and he didn't yell, but he got his message across. And I love the way he articulates that because a lot of times these days, Ed, we associate a manager doing these things with yelling and screaming, with making a show of some kind or showing emotion. Um, here's a guy who universally respected and talked about for the last 50 years as a terrific and wonderful manager. And Seaver articulated to us his style, which was very low key. No question. Uh, you know, you, you don't have to turn over food tables to get your point across. And Gil Hodges always got his point across. Uh, he was respected. He was well respected by his players for good reason. Uh, there's no question. Uh, it brings to mind, too, you know, you telling that, that story about Tom and on the mound that uh, the story that Cleon Jones uh, told, I think the last spring training I was at, which I can't even remember when that was which was a couple of years ago with the with the pandemic uh but cleon was sitting in the dugout and he was talking about uh a series that the a huge series the mets had with houston i think at the time and cleon had a bad ankle uh, and he was in left field and it looked like he kind of you know jaked it after a ball into the left field corner but that wasn't the story he had a bad ankle he was having trouble running But it looked that way to everyone in attendance and everyone that was there that, you know, he didn't hustle for the ball in the left field corner. Gil Hodges came out of the dugout, walked out to left field and took Cleon Jones out of the game. Uh, Now, the explanation that Cleon gave was after the game, you know, Gil said, I know you're hurting. He said, I I, I know you were hurt. 
And I, I know that's the reason that that happened. But, you know, he also said that appearances, you know, tell a lot. And I had to go out and do that. And I went out and did it because I know that you would understand. He was a leader on that team. And Gil went out and got one of the leaders. It wasn't a kid. It wasn't a rookie that he pulled out of the game. He went out and got Cleon Jones out of the game. And Cleon understood and he took it. Uh, you know, and he, but he told the story, you know, this much after the fact, well after the fact, whatever. And he said that's why he always loved Gil and respected Gil because, you know, he treated everyone the same. It, it was, you know, a uh, 15 year veteran or 10 year veteran, whatever, and or rookie, it didn't matter. Uh, you had rules and you had the way, the way to play the game. And, and Gil always enforced that. And this is, again, also like, um, you know, reinforcing what has been celebrated for a very long time. The 1969 Mets are a special team. And as Seaver told you, they wouldn't have gotten there. They wouldn't, you know, they, you know, their history is well documented. We all know it from 62 through 68 and everything that happened. And all of a sudden everything flipped in 69. Uh, it's, it's really one of the most legendary teams and seasons in baseball history. And, you know, there isn't a more respected player in Hall of Fame circles than Tom Seaver, you know, for uh, just his play on the field and everything about him. And, you know, we've we've learned and talked a lot about him in the last year and change since his passing. Uh, but for him to say what he said about Kiel Hodges just reinforces that to me and what that team is about and where it all started. And to think that it took this long, he first appeared in the Hall of Fame ballot in 1969 for his playing career. Yeah, and right. you mentioned some of the numbers that he almost came uh, came close to. I, I I don't remember the exact number. I think he was I think he was like 11th or 12th on the home run list when he retired. Yeah, uh, or mm -hmm. at that time, um, and that's I mean that's really impressive. And you start to think about the era in the player in context to his era because when we look at you know less than 400 home runs right now. You say, oh, well, why does that guy deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? But you think about that was a lot of home runs. And only as players started to get healthier and play longer careers because they were healthier, they start to eclipse those numbers with more regularity. I mean, Hodges did this basically in about uh, his last two years were almost nothing. So he did this basically in about 15 or 16 years uh, of a career, 15, I think, where he got almost 400 home runs. That's the context of the player. I think that uh, when he retired, Sweeney, uh, there were only two right-handed hitters that had more home runs than Gil Hodges, Jimmy Fox and Willie Mays. <laughs> Both guys are true Hall of Famers, to say the least. And uh, I think that probably speaks volumes at that time. Now, other guys have passed him since that time, obviously. But, uh, you know, Gil, it, it was just way too long for Gil Hodges not to be in the Hall of Fame. And it's... Uh, you know, uh, like I said, I'm I'm so happy that he's finally in. And uh, one other thing I wanted to mention too: uh, uh, kudos to Jay Horowitz, uh, our buddy uh, and longtime Mets PR director, who uh, was instrumental in always getting uh, the buzz about Gil Hodges out there and always staying true to that and helping in any way he could to further, you know, the Gil Hodges, uh, uh, you know, train toward the uh, toward the Hall of Fame. I wanted to. Uh, mentioned him at, at that point in time. You know, another guy that we both know and love is in the Hall of Fame as well, along with Gil Hodges, and that's Kitty Cat, uh, Jim Cott, who um, is you know, one of the best person, 
you know, listen, he's one of the best people that uh, I know, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Uh, terrific player, terrific person. Uh, what was it, 288? Is that what he had? 283. Uh, victories in his. 283. 283. Yeah. I was given five more for some reason. I don't That's know Tommy why. John. I think Tommy John. <laughs> because is I like right? Yeah. Okay. You worked with him, I think, for like, he was, I think people forget, like, in 87, he was doing shows at FAN. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Series shows. He worked with Howie doing some shows in the World Series. Uh, and then he went on to this tremendous career as a broadcaster, too. Yep. And I think that helped us appreciate the pitcher because of all the tales yes. he tells along the way. Um, listen, Jim Cott is a great example of what I, I feel like we all understand what the Hall of Fame, we need to understand what the Hall of Fame is about. And there are a lot of pitchers who in short periods of time were better pitchers. Um, but the Hall of Fame, Ed, has, they've, every voting block for years and years has shown us that they are about longevity. It is not about short term. And that's the reason that a lot of people like Don Mattingly included and a lot of people haven't made it is because their careers were cut short. Jim Cott was ultra longevity. And I think he's, he's even downplayed how great a pitcher he was. You had a chance probably to see him a lot more than I did, mm -hmm. but I don't know if it hurt him along the way or not, but he always seemed to defer to his place in the arguments of, you know, Koufax and Gibson and Marischal and Seaver and Carlton and all those yeah. guys. And that's probably all true, but he played it down so much. I think it took away maybe some of the attention on how good he really was over a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, Jim is, that's the type of person he is. He's very unassuming. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't brag on himself. Uh, you know, he kind of lets his numbers and, uh, you know, his career speak for itself. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you play in Minnesota all those years, uh, you know, you, you, you're not as noticed. And those Twins teams, uh, we'll, we'll mention Tony Oliva in a little bit, too. He was another guy, another twin that, that uh, went in uh, into the Hall of Fame as well. But the, uh, they were a great team, tremendous team. And, and Oliva was a big part of that. But uh, Jim was uh, just as, as big a part of that. Uh, and, you know, a tremendous, he, he – uh, uh, actually, we, anytime I see him, he always he always asks about Seoul, South Korea, because he was over there doing the Olympics. I was there at the time and I would see him. he had the baseball broadcast over there and he loved it. He loved he loved doing it uh, at the Olympics. And he always talks about going to Seoul, South Korea. And he said, remember Seoul? I said, oh, yeah, the kimchi yeah, all the time. But he, Jim is uh, he's he's just a wonderful person. And, uh, and I, again, you know, I said I couldn't be happier for Gil Hodges. I can't be happier for, for Jim Cott as well. And I think a lot of it we talk, we talk about nowadays, like people kind of forget how to pitch, right? And a lot of the pitchers, the great pitchers that we talked about in the air, they were power pitchers, right? Like yeah. Gibson and Koufax and Seaver and all these guys. Um, and we talk now about the lost art of pitching. Well, that was Jim Cott, right? He's not blowing anybody away. He was, he was pitching, he was subtracting, and he was getting guys out. And what we need are more Jim Cots today for one big reason. Jimmy got it and threw it. Okay. He'd yeah, get the he ball did. back on the mind and he would throw it. Okay. That's so, you know, you don't, you didn't need a pitch clock with Jim Cott on the mound. He understood the art. Listen, I know what I'm doing out here. I know what I want to do on the next pitch. I'm going to get it. I'm going to throw it. And, you know, that didn't deter him from winning 283 games in his major league career. So it can be done without taking an eternity in between pitches and, and, uh, you know, making four hour games these days. So I'm sure that, you know, Jim, Jim, Jim should have been put in charge 
I think, of, uh, of speeding the game up. I think we, we would have already been there by now. And listen, if every pitcher could hit as well as Jim Cott, I would have yeah. no problem with, you know, you know, DH would not be a thing. But, you know, they all stink at it. So that's why we have a, a DH. And there's even, listen, he was such a good hitter, Eddie. Uh, his 1973 baseball card is pictured with him holding a bat. It, it's, it's not a, it's a pitcher <laughs> at bat um, and showing us his skills with the plate. And he was absolutely uh, very proud of that over the years as well. I will talk more about Cot as the, as the months go along, because he is one of our favorites and we've been in the business with him and certainly one of the best people we've ever been around in doing these games. Uh, you mentioned Tony Oliva. Here's another guy that I didn't get a chance to see. I missed him by a little bit, but um, you know, one of the, one of the great hitters who, again, his career longevity didn't get him to the numbers that we think of as automatics for Hall of Fame. Like his buddy Rod Carew got to 3,000 hits. Tony Oliva did not. Um, but that shouldn't diminish and now finally doesn't diminish what he was as a player and a hitter. You know, uh, you mentioned uh... – uh, I was glad you mentioned Rod Carew because when people think of the twins and great hitters, the first name that comes to mind is, is Rod Carew. Now, Harmon Kilbrew had over 500 home runs. But Tony was just as good a hitter to me as, as Rod Carew with a little bit more power. Uh, didn't have the longevity, as you mentioned, in the career and didn't get to 3,000 hits, but he was a absolute pure hitter and just a, a dangerous guy and a guy that you know, with all the, the bats that the Twins had, I mentioned some of the guys, Killebrew and Allison and Jimmy Hall and others and Rollins, people like that. They had a lot of power hitters. The guy that you didn't want to see at the plate in a key situation was Tony Oliva. Uh, that was the guy, to me anyway, that that would ultimately hurt you if you were a pitcher. And uh, that's that's why I had all the respect in the world for, for Tony Oliva. He was uh, just a tremendous hitter. And I, I think, you know, in the and the pantheons of, you know, twins baseball and maybe baseball in general, he kind of takes a backseat to some others like Carew. Uh, but he was, uh, he was just a flat out uh, pure hitter and a tremendous, a tremendous player. I, and I think you and I kind of look at this the same way. You know, there are so many people who question uh, the next level of hall of famers. You know, I think even Cotton mm -hmm. kind of mentioned this um, in one of his press conferences last night about the idea of, you know, you have certain guys and then there's another tier below that. And yeah. th there's a segment of fans that doesn't like that other tier below that. Um, yeah. Listen, I'm all for it. I understand that you, you're not going to let everybody in. You're not letting everybody in. You're just, if you're lowering the bar a little bit, you're getting a lot more really, really good to great players in there and making it a true celebration of the game. Because if we're waiting for those automatics, you know, you're going to go every three or four years and put one person in. That's, I mean, that's right. not what this should be. This should be, you know, the more people like these guys that we put in, the more I think we appreciate how good and how great the game has been for a long time and what their achievements were in their time. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. That's that's a great point, Sweeney, and also easy to segue into another guy who goes into Mini Minoso. The reason I always loved Mini Minoso, first and foremost, was his name. I yeah. just, I, for whatever reason, I just love saying the name Minnie Minoso, the Cuban Comet, as they used to call him. And I, I didn't see him a lot again, because back in, in the day, even though I was around at that time, uh, you know, you had maybe a game of the week, possibly. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure how often the White Sox were on, because that's where he spent most of his career. He was with uh, Cleveland. But Minoso was he was a terrific player, an absolute terrific player. He would never be afraid to try to steal a base, although he got thrown out an awful lot trying to do that. But, you know, when you look back, you you look at and again, OPS and on base percentage were not things that were highlighted at that point in time. Mini Minoso, he played 20 years. He had six seasons, full seasons where he had an on base percentage over 400. Not, wow. not 380, not 370. I think his career was like 370 on base percentage. But yet, for six seasons, over 400, like 420, 440, I'm saying, whoa. Uh, he was he was just a terrific player, good defensive player as well, too, and just a fun guy to watch and, and a guy that I think should be celebrated and deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But, you know, as you mentioned, that, that might be one of the guys, you know, a guy in – the other tier, you know, well, is he really worthy? Whatever. Well, I say, yeah, I think he is. And it's a great way to celebrate the game with not just the guy who had a catchy name and also known as the Cuban Comet. He, he was a terrific player. Minnie Minoso was a very good player. And those four that we talked about, Hodges, Cott, Minoso, Oliva, they'll be joined by the two selections from the other committee that uh, was from the early baseball era and includes the Negro League uh, contributors, uh, Bud Fowler, Buck O'Neill. I think mm-hmm. a lot of us who watch, um, you know, whether it's Ken Burns baseball or any of their specials over the years about different things in baseball, we, we knew Buck O'Neill's place in it and how he kind of spanned generations and his uh, lengthy contributions over the course of time, as especially as an ambassador to the game. And the fact yeah. that he has a spot uh, I, you know, I, I didn't remember this. He has, he has a, there's a statue of Buck O'Neill in the hall of fame, but he wasn't actually a member of the hall of fame yet. So that was kind of odd. So this kind of uh, writes that and just adds to what I think we already know as a hall of fame personality, but Fowler is the kind of guy, Eddie, that I, I like when these guys are elected because I know nothing about them and I, and it gives me an opportunity to learn who they are, what they were, why they were important, why I should know them. I'm supposed to know these guys because they were great players in the sport that we 
watch and grow and follow. And I'm looking forward to the opportunities to read and learn more about Bud Fowler between now and next summer. Yeah, that, I listen. Bud Fowler is a guy that that uh, you know most of us uh, even follow the game are not that familiar with. Obviously, from the Negro leagues, Buck O'Neill we know because of the name, and, and Buck is one of the more I, I always thought one of the more eloquent uh, spokespersons uh, for the game of baseball. I mean, uh, and the thing that always impressed me about Buck is there was never. Um, uh, you know, he, he just, he never felt sorry for himself. Uh, you know, he, he never, uh, I, I think he realized he deserved to be in the hall of fame, but, uh, you know, he never called it out that way. Uh, he, he was just a guy that wanted to be a great baseball player, was a great baseball player. It was a different time, a different era. Uh, he kind of understood that. I think he's obviously, uh, you know, deserves to be uh, in the Hall of Fame. And as you mentioned, his statue was already in there. But, uh, you know, to me, in, in listening to him over the years, he was always very eloquent about the way he spoke about the game and his place in the game and the place of a lot of his teammates uh, that, you know, probably deserve to be there as well. I, um, I think it's always important to make sure we talk about the guys that got in first. You know, it's always about, the, you know, this is about celebrating the people who got in. Uh, but along with that, it's always about who didn't or came close and didn't or deserve or, you know, you want another shot. Um, we, you and I spoke a lot about Dick Allen a year ago when he came close to one of their bouts and then he passed away. Um, he unfortunately came up one vote short again. Uh, mm-hmm. And he would have joined, been able to join this, uh, this tremendous class. Um, he's in one of these weird areas because I think his career was 15 years. So if he goes an extra couple of years, it it probably already happens. Uh, and there are other factors with Dick Allen, but clearly everybody understands the type of player he was, the impact he had, and how great he was because two ballots in a row, he's come up one vote short. It shows you what an impossibly high standard 75% can be. And obviously it should be high if you're talking about Hall of Fame. But um so many people you and I run into and talk to Dick Allen's a hall of famer yet here we are today. And he's not one. You know, it's interesting that uh, I think, I believe he is in the Negro hall of fame. I believe he is in, uh, and I think, I believe that he also said that that, that was what counted to him. Uh, He was in the hall of fame already uh, in the Negro league hall of fame. And that, uh, you know, mattered more to him maybe because he wasn't in the hall of fame in Cooperstown. I don't know. I, I, I don't know the reason, but you know, it's interesting Sweeney in this day and age where we uh, you know, it's, it's strikeout home run uh, you know uh, it's, it's all about the ultimate. Uh, This was one of the true sluggers of the game. I mean, you know, you stopped when Dick Allen came to the plate and that's the, you know, to me, that that has always been a calling card for great players in baseball. If you have to stop doing what you're doing or you're not going to miss in the bat for a person, that's a guy who belongs in the Hall of Fame and uh, is, is a guy that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I, 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 frankly, I was stunned when, uh, you know, he wasn't for this class. But again, one vote, uh, which is frustrating and, and uh, I think almost criminal. But, uh, you know, Dick Allen deserves to be there and... Um, I, I don't know if that's going to happen in the future, if not, but, uh, uh, you know, hopefully someday it will. I was, I, I was a little shocked to see Roger Maris didn't get more support. Um, I know, yeah. that, you know, 
And again, these guys are all guys who there are certain things that have kept them out of the Hall of Fame. Mostly, most of it is longevity. And it's about the idea of of the lengthy career not matching up with the lengthy careers of others. So you've had other opportunities. Obviously, the numbers and stats don't change. It's just a matter of seeing if a different voting block, given more perspective, gets a chance to uh, appreciate that career a little bit differently than maybe a voting block from 20 years ago. Um, and it's still kind of not there. A terrific player. Injuries certainly hurt him later in his career, but he had uh, uh, two phenomenal seasons, MVPs, breaking the home run record in 61, uh, part of World Series champions, both in New York and in St. Louis, a, a tremendous defensive player. I'll get to that in a second. But Maris um, comes up short again and and he wasn't really close, which leads me to believe there's probably not going to be any sort of committee that's going to get him in uh, if he hasn't really been close in any of these elections. You had a great stat. Uh, and in this day and age of sluggers and uh, the ultimate, um, you know, either home run or a strikeout, 61 home runs in 1961 and uh, and 67 strikeouts, I believe. Right. Yeah. Is that uh, is that it? That's uh, that. That's amazing. I, you know, I've always felt with Maris that the the one year the and the home run chase with Mantle actually hurt him in the long run because that's what people that's what everyone focuses on with Roger Maris is that to you know uh, I guess the exclusion of almost everything else that happened in his career. He was a very good player, and as you mentioned, he went to St. Louis. They were. World, uh, they were a World Series champion there, as well as being one with the Yankees. Uh, you know, did he ever approach you know the home run total uh, that he had in New York? No, but he was a very good player for for the Cardinals as well, and I think a very good player for his career. But I uh, I've always felt that 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 season in particular, the race with Mantle and trying to catch Babe Ruth, uh, hurt him in the long run. Mantle is you know a name that's you know it, it's folklore in the game of baseball. Everyone knows Mickey Mantle, and Roger Maris was kind of you know the the one A to Mantle's one that year, even though Maris was the one who broke the record. Um, but at the same time, I always felt that that hurt him in the long run, simply because people focus so much on that to the exclusion of everything else that happened in his career. So we mentioned so we've mentioned Gil Hodges, who obviously is Brooklyn Dodger, but has a, a very deep connection with the Mets. We mentioned Roger Maris, so has a long connection with the with the Yankees. As we move forward, I'm not sure if this is the next ballot or not. Um, I should know this, but I don't. But as you move to the other eras, we're going to get back at some point in time to discussing candidacies of a Met and a Yankee uh, with some deep ties. Keith Hernandez and Thurman Munson, two guys who've come up short in their elections. Let's start with Hernandez because, I, you know, I mentioned this yesterday. I tweeted out this thing about, you know, the, about defense. We talk a lot of times about defense. Um, the gold glove leaders at every position are in the Hall of Fame except for first base. Keith Hernandez, 11 gold gloves, is the gold glove leader at first base. Now, mm -hmm. he wasn't a punch and Judy hitter either. He's got a batting title, an MVP, uh, two World Series championships. Um, there's a lot there to say, of course, he belongs in the Hall of Fame, but he's not there yet. I think the defense has... We talk so much about importance of defense, but when it comes time to rewarding greatness, we focus solely on the offense. And I think it shortchanges Keith, especially in this instance. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think that Keith will be there eventually. I do think that people... 
will come around in that regard. Uh, I think he has a very varied resume. He was an excellent first baseman. He's, you know, uh, you know kind of been the poster child for defensive first base uh, over the years. I, I remember when I grew up, Vic Power uh, was a guy, speaking of another Minnesota twin for a while, he was also an Indian too. But Heath, I think, has had over the years. Uh, very good hitter. Uh, had power as well. Not a lot of power, but he had power. Uh, accomplished a lot on the field as far as championships, uh, you know, with, with a couple of World Series champions. Uh, so I, I think Keith is there. Uh, maybe I'm a little biased because I see Keith a lot as a Met broadcaster. But at the same time, uh, you know, listen, I, I think he will get in eventually. With Munson, it's interesting. And, and uh, you know, I, I've always felt that that he'll be a little bit short. Not that he shouldn't be there. Uh but kind of the Manningly syndrome, I guess, a little bit in, in that sense. The, the years that he had that were great were tremendous, just not enough of them. And the career wasn't long enough, unfortunately, in, in his case. Yeah, and I don't know, like, and there's really no way of knowing how much longer Munson's career would have gone. Because, you know, the whole story about him is like he, he wants to be more uh, closer to his family, he wants to spend more time with them and the whole idea right. of getting the plane and and being able to go back and forth. So um, and physically, the toll it was taking, he was already having issues with his knees and his body and and trying to stay behind the plate. So how much longer could he have gone? What would that have done to his career? Would he have had a bunch of years where he was still really good? Or would he have a bunch of years where he, his performance dipped and it affected his overall career? Um, I don't know what the, what the right answer is there because, you know, it's all, it's all hypothetical. It ended August 2nd, 1979, and that's all we have to go on. Uh, he has a lot of great, great points to put in his Hall of Fame resume. I, again, you're talking about somebody who it hasn't happened for uh, for any variety of reasons. He's, you know, he's pretty much almost, I mean, he's what? He's basically 10 years shorter of a career than uh, on a ballot than um, than Gil Hodges. Gil Hodges right. put a ballot in 69, uh, months and shortly after, you know, um, his, his uh, death in 79. So um, I don't know if he's ever going to get there, but there's going to be candidacy. I think it's part of the fun's a wrong word when you're talking about it this way, but it's, it's part of the great fun we have as baseball fans talking about the players that we saw and bring them up again. I say to every, I, I say to people who, who unfortunately dropped off the ballot, I say, I don't know if you're a hall of famer, but I hope you stay on the ballot because I think the great reward you have is having everybody discuss your career every year as you're on the ballot and, and talk about how great you were, because that is, a special achievement and whether you make it to the hall of fame or not having everybody relive your career in a ballot is pretty special um unfortunately it happens every so often now with the players in these veterans committee ballots i you know this is a really long way of me saying i don't know if munson's going to get into the hall of fame eddie because i think the shortness of his career is really has really impacted that yeah no it has uh you know the uh, uh, an 11 year career uh obviously and and listen there were some very good years there as well and i think we all know what kind of backstop that he was and he was the backbone of those yankee teams i mean he was the guy he was the captain uh but at the same time i i, I do think uh, you know unfortunately the the short career is going to hurt him in the long run but it's a good point you bring up about uh you know the fact that we can continue to talk about these guys because that was the way for gil hodges for years we would talk about uh you know what kind of player he was 
what kind of manager he turned into, uh, what kind of leader he was. Uh, and, you know, I, I think all those, uh, all those things apply to Munson, maybe not the managerial part, but uh, obviously those things apply to Munson as well. It's just unfortunate that the career was, was cut short the way it was. There's a writer's ballot that's due in January, and we'll have time to dissect all that because that's got a lot of interesting points to it. And we'll see if anybody joins this wonderful group of six people uh, that were elected to the Hall of Fame on Sunday in these uh, special veterans committee ballots. Uh, you mean uh, you mean there, there won't be a lot of movement in the negotiations uh, before that comes out? I was that we get to that. We might have to we might have to discuss uh, some more of those things too. But uh, uh, that's really boring. This is the fun stuff talking about great players <laughs> and stuff you know, Hall of Fame and things like that. So we'll get to the boring stuff maybe next week. We've got a lot more to come uh, in the coming weeks. Even though there is a lockout going on, we'll keep diving into some stuff. So come on back, subscribe. Subscribe to WFAN's Baseball Insiders, where you get your podcasts. He's Ed Coleman. I'm Sweeney Murdy. Thanks for listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.